0: Welcome to that NAMs podcast, a podcast produced by the New Anglican Missionary Society for those that have a heart for or are interested in church planning, discipleship, and world missions. On this episode, Servant General Reverend Doctor John Schuler continues his discussion of the serious challenge to the church to raise up the men who are needed today. We hope you enjoy. I want to talk again uh, further today about the challenge of finding the men that are needed to lead the church at this time in history. Um, And I wanna begin by by recollecting a a, a wonderful phrase that I learned from a church planting brother, um, planting uh, a wonderful congregation and facilitating the planting of a number of other congregations who in conversations with me when I was looking for men uh, for the church planting residency that I helped to lead in Little Rock, Arkansas, Anglican Associates uh, Church Planting Residency. um, My brother Scott said to me, you know, John, the best men to plant new churches are not yet ordained. Um, They're in the pews they're men of faith Uh, they're men with families they're men with businesses they're men with vocations they're men with knowledge of the world and skills of leadership and they're sitting in your pews and um, some of them need to be called into the active life of becoming church planting men Uh, must be called into the work and I heard Scott say that um, for, for more years than, than I really paid close attention to it. But I know that it's true. Now, my experience is that the average clergyman, the, the average rector, um, doesn't look out on Sunday and say, well, I could ask that one, I could ask that one, I bet I could ask that one. In fact, the average clergyman looks out at a congregation uh, in which either there aren't such men, certainly not men that are in any way equipped or ready, um, or he looks out and sees some men with all the skills, but they are not involved in the life of the church. They're not actively um, supporting and leading and, and invested. They may come faithfully on Sunday, they may Bring their kids. Um, they may uh, they may contribute, but they're not. Their hearts are not in the life of the church. Their hearts are in their work. Their, their hearts are in their vocation. Um, and if that's you and you're listening to me today, um, I've been there. I I know exactly um, what that feels like. And as I've been trying to share with you, and I hope the Spirit of God is is quickening in you. Um. If it's, not, if it's not doing this yet, I pray that it will, that the Spirit of God will show you that the reason we don't have the men that we need is that we are uh, functioning with a, with a system, a church system, a congregational system, a parish system, a, a, a polity, a pattern of way of, of working and thinking about ministry that is broken insofar as it's not producing the kind of leaders that the kingdom of God is desperate for today. The the harvest is ripe, and the laborers are few. And the rising laborers are so few, few because we have given ourselves over and over and over again our best time, our best energy, our best resources, our best people to maintenance of a system that is not producing the leaders that we need. It's not producing the leaders that God is calling for. And and we have to call them out. We, we We have to call them and we have to bring them into our lives and into our ministries so that they can grow up to take their place with us for the sake of the gospel, for the cause of the kingdom. Timothy, just think about it. When Paul came to Timothy's hometown, Timothy was a man in the pews. He was a young man in the pews. He might've been a plumber. He might've been a real estate agent. He might've been a fisherman. Um, I don't know, but, but he was a young man and Paul could see in him the character and the qualities and the necessary um, commitments to be a a critical leader for the sake of the kingdom of God. And Paul called him, come along, come with me. Paul didn't send him somewhere. Paul didn't take him to somebody and leave him to be trained by someone else. Paul took him into his life. Paul took him into his ministry. Paul took him everywhere he went. And it wouldn't be long, it wouldn't be long before Paul would say of Timothy, I have no one like him. Now, the evidence of the New Testament is very clear, that over and over and over, wherever Paul went, he looked for those kind of men. We have to believe, I have to believe, and I think we should believe, that was true of every one of the apostles. That was true of them because they had watched Jesus behave in that way. They had seen him draw men into ministry, into the life of his his mission, and they learned to do the same. And those that they drew into their life were men equipped to do the same again and again. That's why Paul can say to Timothy in second letter, uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, Timothy, you must give away to other men what I have given to you. And you must give it to the kind of men who will give it to other men who will give it to others. So uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 is showing us four generations it's, It's actually showing us, if I don't misread it, it's showing us five, Paul to Timothy, to others, to others, to others. And quite honestly, since the spirit of Jesus taught Paul, it's really Jesus to Paul, to Timothy, to others, to others, to others. That's not the way the Anglican system is functioning in 2023. It's not functioning like that in Asia. It's not functioning like that in Latin America. It's not functioning like that in North America. It's certainly not functioning like that in Europe. Um, it's It's a huge gap. It's a huge gap in the life of the Anglican family. Everywhere we find faithful, but almost nowhere are we finding fruitful. And fruitful depends on the men that are being trained to lead the community of God's people. Sheep need shepherds. New work needs new beginnings, new laborers. Not all are called to plant, and not all are called to water. But if we don't have the men that are called to plant, the system, the life, the community that we're a part of is destined for death. Now if you think about these things in the light of your own community, your own ministry, your own congregation, your own network, your own diocese. If you begin to think about these things and the spirit of God is quickening in you an awareness that it's pricking you, that it's that it's it's it's, it's discomforting. It's not fun to hear. It's not encouraging to hear. It's 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 bringing you under conviction. Then I want to suggest to you That's the spirit of God. And I want to suggest again, as I did several podcasts ago, that it becomes critical to face reality, to to face clearly the facts, the facts of, of, of what's actually unfolding before your eyes in your life, in your ministry, in your congregation, in your family, in your network, in your diocese. And when we, we come to that moment, when the Spirit of God brings us to that moment, it puts us on our knees. I want to give you a simple formula, a simple little uh, way of thinking to face what you're facing and seek the Spirit of God for wisdom uh, to not only face what you're facing, but discover how to work through what you're facing to be on the other side of the situation you find yourselves in. And I want to put it to you in this form. M squared R cubed. M to the second power, R to the third power. M 2 R3. And I want to suggest that the first M is metanoia. If you will not face that the work that God has called you to do is not flourishing you will not change. You will not change if you do not honestly confess that in the face of the facts, you are not discipling other men. You are not raising up men who can disciple other men. You are not raising up disciple-making leaders. And consequently, you have no capacity to help to plant disciple-making new congregations. You know, or should know, if you've walked with Christ, that when we face our sins, when we face our failures, when we confess them, when we are grieved unto a true repentance and an amendment of life, God immediately floods us with his grace. God immediately begins to take us to a new level of understanding and a new level of commitment and life in him. It's possible for great change to happen in an organization or a community when the leaders of that community or the leaders of that organization will face the facts with a desire to understand how to change the situation. That's metanoia. Peter Drucker, my great mentor, used to say, and I think I may have quoted it before, um, that no one comes to be a leader by not knowing what to do. And that's why when you are a leader in a time of great confusion, it's hard to admit it because there's always the fear that you'll lose the corner office. Uh, Peter used to say, no one gets the corner office by not knowing what to do. But it's necessary in times like these to face the truth. We have built systems that might have suited well, may have been wonderful systems for an earlier time, but they are no longer working. They are no longer adequate. They are no longer producing the fruit of the gospel that God desires. Well, once once that's faced and there's an openness on the part of a leader to learn, it's amazing How quickly God can begin a turnaround in an organization, in a community, in a congregation, I dare to say even in a diocese or a national community of Christians. But it takes that. It takes true repentance, amendment of life, and a commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ in a whole new way, at a whole new level. And that's the second M. Organizations, congregations, denominations, networks, build uh, any organization of human beings that's in trouble is in trouble because it's gotten confused about what its mission is. What is the mission that God has called the church to? What is the mission of my parish? What is the mission of my diocese? What is the mission of my network, of my ministry, of my community? That question is going to be answered in many different ways in troubled organizations. One of the hallmarks of flourishing organizations is there's an absolute unanimity about the mission. I recently was made aware of a young church that's uh, growing really quite remarkably um, in my state, not an Anglican community, but one that is attracting the attention of godly Anglicans. Um, And the stated mission of that congregation is known by every single member of that congregation, most of whom are under 35. And that mission is to preach the gospel and make disciples. That's the mission of the congregation. That's all they say. This is who we are. This is what we do. We preach the gospel, we make disciples. Now, the the mission that that little congregation, not so little, that congregation is articulating, that congregation with no building of its own, but with a significant growing number of young men and women coming to faith and living the faith, um, that, that mission is helping them to be a united, growing, flourishing community. Asking yourself and asking those who lead with you to clarify, well, what is the mission that God has given us will force serious, controversial conversations and struggle until it is clarified. I want to end today's podcast um, without going through the formula and pick up the formula um, the next time we're together by simply saying, I believe The mission has been given by the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be invented. It doesn't have to be voted on. It doesn't have to be discovered in some esoteric text. It doesn't require buying the latest faddish book. The mission was given immediately before the Lord departed from this earth. The risen Lord gave the mission, the final command given to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always to the end of the age. That is the mission. If you lead a congregation, if you lead a ministry, if you lead a network, if you lead a diocese that doesn't believe that, you are not going to see kingdom growth. That is the mission that Jesus Christ has given his church. And it's not a mission that we are to just acknowledge and then move on. It is a mission we are to live. Well, I've taken more time than I like to take normally, so I think I'll stop there. I'll pick it up with the three R's uh, when we come together next. Glad you could join me. I pray that you might um, spread the news about the podcast and encourage others to join us if you've finding that God is using it in your life. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. I'll look forward to seeing you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of That Nam's podcast, please rate and subscribe on whichever podcast platform it is that you are currently listening to it on. And if you'd like to get in touch with Nam's or learn more about the ministry and the work that is being done, head on over to nam'snetwork.com.